Welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. Today's episode of Bourbon Barrel Talk is brought to you by the Burkhart Company. The Burkhart Company is one of the preeminent companies for kitchens, bathrooms, and bars. Their team can take your concept from design to build and then install. With almost 50 years experience, you can trust their team with all of your home and business projects. Call Andrew or one of his team members at 502-587-1538. Hello and welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Mitten. Today, I'm sitting down in the, uh, I'm, it's it's my dining room today. So uh, I got, I got my, one of my buddies, one of my partners in crimes, Dan, one of my neighbors down the street. What's up, Dan? Not a whole bunch. How about you? Oh, man, just living the dream, living the dream. If I was any better, I'd be twins. One person can't have so much fun. And I couldn't I couldn't handle two of you anyway. <laughs> that's what my wife says. That's ironic. <laughs> You're not even married to me, and she says that stuff, so. I hear you. I hear you. So this episode, we were going to talk a little bit about, we, I had a, a derby gathering, which uh, we have a handful of people here, I guess would be a best way to put it. Uh, no, no, a houseful. <laughs> Let's get it right. It, it is a houseful. I, I think we, we, we ended the count, and I think we were somewhere around 44 people. We, yeah, I, I believe that. Between yeah. who was downstairs, and every time you came up here to get something to eat, there was as many up here as there were downstairs. I'm not surprised. Yeah, we, we were at 44, I think, was the, was the count that we came up with. And, and, and I might be a little off, but it is what it is. It sounds about right. So, anyway. We're going to talk a little bit about cocktails, what we what we made for the day, and 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 Dan was uh, being uh, quality control because he used to be a bartender back in the old days. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to hear some of these stories because we've never really talked about this before. So, uh, and then while we're doing that, we're going to try a couple of bourbons. Dan's going to give us his opinion on a couple of things. We got a Starlight five year old port finished in a port barrel. And this one was selected by a group called Liquid Assets, a couple of uh, friends of mine, and uh, they, they, they like doing little private barrel selections, and, and they buy the entire barrel. There's only about 15 guys in the whole group, so they, they get quite a few bottles apiece. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you know what, though? When it's a good one, it's a good one. You want to you have as many as you possibly can, so I'm going to dive in on this bad boy. I'm going to smell it real good, and, 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 and you can tell me what you're smelling and what you're thinking and uh, kind of go from there. And, and I like the fact Dan's got a, he's got a pretty good nose from what I can tell. So not as good a nose as yours, but I can, I can generally pick out some of the flavors. You tend to pick out a little bit more than I do. My feeling about bourbon tint is more in the palate than it is in the nose. Yeah. So this one's got a, it's got, it's got a delicate nose. It's real fruit forward. Yep. Very fruit forward. Um, I, I, I like the delicate part about it. The port's coming through really strong, so I'm getting that's, like... That's probably where the fruit's coming from. Yeah, like some stone fruit, almost like a plum or Ooh. something dark. I don't know, man. Maybe like a... Almost like a fig, too. But I don't know. Is fig a fruit? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a fruit. I differentiate. If it's in the ground, it's a vegetable. If it's above the ground, it's a fruit. And there are some... I think it has changes something to do with seeds, too. Could very well be. Of course, I guess a persimmon. Is that a fruit, too? That I don't know for sure. I mean, it comes off a tree, has a seed in it, so I assume it's a fruit. Isn't a fig a derivative of grapes? I don't know, man. I don't know either. I'm not breaking out Google today either. That, <laughs> that's what Matt and Josh are for. So, and they're not here. They're not here. They're not here. They're they're they're, they're missing all the fun. Oh yeah, that's good. Get a little bit of a like vanilla, a little caramel. Um, some of that fruit's pouring through. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, so the, the you get a little bit of that port flavor. 
off that, but it's not overwhelming, which I, I'm kind of surprised. And and I'll tell you, over the years when I've I've had bourbons that have been finished in other than just natural oak or, or charred oak, you do get part of the flavor. You do get some of it, but it, it unless it's been sitting in that barrel for a long, long time, right. that's all you're going to get. You're going to get a hint of it. But it changes the profile quite a bit. I had gotten a, a bottle... Uh, not when we went to Starlight. Um, the one, down, the one down in Bardstown. Was that the one we did at Lux Row, or was it? I the believe one? it was, yeah, Lux Row, and they had one that was finished in a Burgundy barrel. Gotcha. And and I I picked that up when we were down there, and that that had kind of the same same profile. You you could you could taste it going in. It would linger just a little bit, and when it finished, it was almost gone by that time. Hmm. I'm trying to remember which one that was. It was like a Henry something. I or, believe it was a Henry. Oh, but I'm gosh, trying to remember which. Uh, that was a while ago, too. Which one of those it was. I'm going to have to look that up real quick. I said I wasn't going to do Google, and here <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling stuff. What are, what, what are we doing? Uh, so, Lux Row Distilleries. Lux Road, yeah. And this one, let's see. It was the Davies County series is what it was. Yep. Yep. So. It, yeah, there was the, uh, the Henry, the Davies County. And of course, all the other ones that were on the yep. show that were that actually weren't, they were bottled. I'm sorry, they were they were barreled here, and they were stored up uh, in New Jersey. Is it that they? Uh, I can't. There was some place else that that they had where, where they. So I know that Lux Row was owned by at that time. Um, the place out of St. Louis, Missouri. That's what it was. St. So St. Louis. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it was aged out in Missouri. So yeah, I think it was aged there, and then uh, um, I'm not sure if they bottled it out there or not. I, I don't know that for sure. Right. Huh. I don't know. But this is this is pretty good. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, it's funny. I've always been such a big fan of you know high proof, high octane bourbons, and I'm getting I'm getting a lot more uh, comfortable with these low proof barrel strengths the, the lower proofs and, and, and i agree with that um i'm like you I, I i graduated you know through all the proofs that you can think of and if i go out and buy a bottle of bourbon i'm generally looking at around 100 proof or higher but there are bourbons that i'll that i'll, I'll get that'll be in the in the low to mid 90s and they still have that kind of a, of a smoothness to it right and um i think it has a lot to do with um how it's aged, how it's barreled, um, what kind of care was put into making it, what the mash bill happened to be. Um, but um, I, I'm not as snobbish today as I was, say, a year ago when it came to, you know, just straight, strict uh, high-proof high bourbons. Mm-hmm. And, regarding, and regarding this one, I think you said it was, what, 102? Yeah, 102.2. Five years old. It's got, some, it's got, some, it's got a good little hug to it. It does. Yeah, I mean, it drinks that proof. So, I mm-hmm. mean, I would, I would say that this was 100, 102, 105. So, I mean, it drinks at true proof. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely got some really nice, delicate fruit notes. It's just solid pour mm-hmm. overall. So, let's talk cocktails. So, wait a minute. First, you have to tell me, that when were you a bartender? <laughs> what did you do? What Did you work at, like, the local watering hole up in the Northeast? or Tell me this story, because you've never told it before. Well... There's, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of ways to look at this. <clears throat> the most bartending I ever did was at this little bar that I used to go to up in uh, western New York. And uh, it was just something that just happened one day. Now, you got to understand. Western New York? 
Yes, actually, Jamestown, New York. Jamestown. Is that near Buffalo? It's about 60 miles south of Buffalo. Okay. Almost on the Pennsylvania border. Gotcha. All right. I'm just getting clarification geographic. Not a problem. But I used to frequent frequent this uh, watering hole all the time. And uh, one day, somebody said, why don't you turn around here and start bartending? And I did. Now, you got to understand something. This was mostly a beer joint and a shot joint. Mixing a lot of cocktails didn't come into it. So if somebody wanted a gin and tonic, I could handle that. If somebody wanted to have a whiskey sour, I could think about it and, and come up with something, and they wouldn't care because they were too damn drunk to notice anyway. <clears throat> but uh, that was pretty much the extent of, of, of you know, being a bartender, as it were. Now, at home, over the years, I've, I've, I've learned to you know, put together a few. Um, the, uh, the ones that I, that I remember most uh, would be uh, Manhattans, either a regular Manhattan or a sweet Manhattan or a perfect Manhattan. It didn't matter. Um, and the story behind that is before I came here, most people might remember that I'm not originally from this area. And before I came here, I was... The accent didn't give it away. Dan, no, I promise. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, I, I, I was a whiskey drinker before I came here. Scotch, Canadian whiskey. Mostly, mostly, uh, yeah, Scotch and Canadian, Canadian whiskey. Uh, that's how I got into drinking Manhattans was because of the whiskey. Uh, obviously, when I came here, you know, went in Rome, didn't have whiskey anymore. Of course, it's here, but I uh, started drinking bourbon. I had a, a friend of mine who used to drink perfect Manhattans, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically a Manhattan made with bourbon as opposed to being made with whiskey. Um, and I guess that, that's probably what started me going down the, uh, the bourbon road. But uh, once I got here, there was just a lot more exposure to bourbon, uh, a lot more of that kind of flavor profile. And it is so distinctly different than a scotch or, or a Canadian, especially a Canadian whiskey. Um, an Irish whiskey, it's, it's much different than that. But to me, um, that's probably closer to what a bourbon is than what... Um, uh, a Canadian whiskey is. Canadian whiskey tends to be very, very light. Scotches are uh, the type, it all depends on which ones you get. You got blended, you get single malts, you've got very, you know, very lonely aged single malts. You got some scotches that are actually finished in a bourbon barrel. Yeah. They're, a lot of them are finished in bourbon barrels, yeah. Which I didn't realize until I, I saw that many, many years ago. But uh, you, you learn your palate changes. I call them earthy. Mm. You don't like scotch anyway, so what do you say? You're <laughs> well, I mean, so, and that's why. I mean, to me, they're extremely earthy. Like, you get that peat flavor. You get, you know, and, and, and it's a joke when I say it, but it's almost like, you know, you, you, you take an old leather flip-flop, you throw it in the lake, and then you pull it out, <laughs> you know, four weeks later, and you lick it, and you're like, hmm, it's scotch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, well. <laughs> and it's not it's definitely not for me i i've grown on armagnac i've grown on cognac but uh and those and those scotch are, is still just not my jam yeah and i'll, I'll tell you uh, scott the uh my experience has been you either like scotch or you don't there's nobody in between on that yeah it's just a matter of uh you know people who uh, have tried it and they just Ugh. but yeah. I've got a, I've tried a couple that I was like, eh, not too bad. They had it was more smoky than peaty, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't mind the smoky flavor, that subtle smoke. You know, I don't want it overly smoked. But uh, I had a couple that were that way, and, and they were pretty good. But I mean, still, still not something I would. I'd be like, oh, I want that over a, a decent bourbon. It just wouldn't happen. No, and, and I, I wouldn't do that today either. Um, 
you know, I, I always drank scotch with uh, a little bit of ice. Converted. <laughs> Again, I was on whiskey before I got here. But, uh, always drank scotch over ice. Uh, uh, mostly drank whiskey uh, as a cocktail. Um, didn't, uh, never drank that you know, neat as, as we do with, with bourbons today. And occasionally I'll, I'll have a little bit of ice in the bourbon, but it's generally just enough to more 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 to cool it down a little bit than anything else so in northeast were they like soco people like southern comfort or were they like crown royal crown royal uh kessler's was was a was a big one that was up in in that area um you'll still find a lot of canadian club and a lot of a lot of uh canadian uh, Canadian mist mist and stuff like that yeah Hmm. canadian mist i I could never wrap my hands around it to me that was just that that just had a sweet profile to that was just syrupy almost yeah, yeah yeah I'm 100% with you. Hmm. Kind of, it's just, it's weird how bourbon is so, and it's not, it's not as bad that, that way today as what it was, you know, even five or 10 years ago where, I mean, you get north of, you know, basically kind of Southern Indiana. I mean, it, it, it bourbon goes away. Yep. It's all Canadian whiskey at that point. Yeah. The people that you find, you know, north of here or, or you get up to, into the Northeast that are drinking bourbon are doing it because they read somewhere or maybe they were, in Kentucky and they tried it and they, they realized that, you know, this is something, some, something that I got to think about. I'll give you, I'll tell you a little story. My brother-in-law lives down in Florida and I, and I think you might remember this. And he was trying to get his hands on, um, some bourbon that he couldn't find down there. It was just not available. Um, and I remember I, I'd asked you where to get it. It was in a, in a, um, round base bottle with a long neck. I can't remember the name of it now. I may, be, I may be able to find that on my phone. It wasn't Blanton's, was it? No, no, it, was, no it wasn't a Blanton's. You um, said a long neck, and I was like, well, maybe he was confused long neck for a short neck. But No, it, it, it round had... Round bottle. It had a, a round... It, it had a really cool-looking bottle. It, hmm. it, it had a, a flat-based... Hang on a second. There may be a lot. That's fine. You look it up. So cocktails, while you're looking it up, made, what, five, six different cocktails yeah, at I, Derby? I remember a, a bunch of mules... Bunch of mules, yeah. Bunch, bunch of mules. My bourbon Ritas. Oh yeah, oh bourbon Ritas went over went over big time. They were gangbusters. I was I was su- oh I was super I was super happy with that because you know it was one of those things that I kind of came up with it late mm-hmm. Wednesday or Thursday night, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna make a bourbon Rita for for Derby, and and, and uh, I, I talked to one of my one of my girlfriends, all, all, all in quotations. One of one of the friends, uh, Sarah. Sarah's been on the podcast before, but uh, Sarah's a, a like a, a mixologist. Like she's like a high end bartender. Okay. Not not just a regular old bartender, and not that there's anything wrong with regular bartender. But Sarah's got she's got chops. I mean she's she's really really good. But anyway, she's like you know, hey, these are the things I would play with in that in that ball realm or in that ballpark, and mm-hmm. and, and I use some of her ideas and a couple of my own, and just poof, the next thing you know, bourbon reader was born. So now, did you, you did you mix that with bourbon and tequila? No, I mixed it with bourbon and triple sec. Okay, in, in, instead of the tequila. Okay. Yep. So instead of te- I just basically got rid of the tequila, and uh, I didn't. I, I thought I had some uh, Grand Marnier, but I didn't. So I, I I had to go with the cheap stuff. I put a little triple sec in there, but they, they turned out excellent. They they still had the right. <laughs> oh flavor. my god! They were coming out the left and right, dude. I mean, I, I must have made ten pitchers of that stuff, man. East, <laughs> For shakers. East. So, but then. To, to each their own, but uh, that, and then uh, I made a modified Kentucky mule, um, so I, I put a a splash of sweet and sour on top of my mules, so I, I don't think that many people realize that that's what I was doing, but I was putting a splash of that in there. 
No, I, and I, I didn't notice that. I, I mean, I, I saw you make several mules, and I didn't notice the uh, the sweet and sour. Yep, and then I put a, and then I made a few Manhattans, and then you know I don't I don't make I mean I didn't make any Manhattans. I made old fashions. I was gonna say it's I don't make close. Manhattans because yeah. I don't I don't do vermouth, but well, it's a matter of how much vermouth you put in it. So I, I just I've never found a vermouth I've liked. What have you tried? I mean, I've tried a few different ones. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know names. You know, because of the fact that I don't pay a ton of attention to vermouth. But I, I, and everybody says maybe I've never had a really, really, really like high end good vermouth, and maybe that's what the, my problem is. When you're using vermouth, and in this case, it's a sweet vermouth, which is right. probably what, what throws you off. Um, you've got to be very careful because you can really put too much in it, and you, it's really really too sweet it's just overpowering it, it overpowers it and especially if you're doing it in a, in a perfect manhattan you don't want to overpower the bird right you, you want to be able to, to taste that bourbon and you want to have just a little side to that so it, it, it's a matter um i think the classic manhattan is is one-to-one okay vermouth to bourbon when i used to make a lot of manhattans it was probably closer to three to one half just enough of vermouth in there just to, to give it that, that taste. Right. And then, and then you're tasting uh, the whiskey or the bourbon or whatever, whatever it is you're using in there. Three to one half. Hmm. Well, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like making a martini. Yeah. Or very dry martini. Yeah. It's either, you know, a splash of vermouth, which is, again, dry vermouth as opposed to sweet, or you get out your, uh, uh, your spray bottle and you just spray the glass. Hmm. And then add the gin or the vermouth. There it is. Spray bottle, huh? You found it? Yep. Oh, will it pot will still? Pot mm. still. Okay, there we go. Yeah, he he wanted that, and uh, I was able, I was able to find it for him. Yeah, but he, um, I don't know if he said he couldn't find it or if it was stupid expensive. Maybe it was probably the latter. It was probably just dumb expensive. Because um, for some strange reason, some things in Florida are just really overly priced, even though it's a controlled state, which never makes any sense to me. Yeah. But I think they have some controlled state store. Some controlled state stores, and some are like freelance. Like dudes can charge whatever they want. So it's it's it. It's the wild, wild west down there in Florida. <laughs> I guess would be the best well, way to put it. Let's let's not get political. Come on. No, I'm not saying by political. I'm just saying like I, I think some store store owners follow the rules and some don't. I think it's just kind of the wild, wild west. So. All right, got an old Forester barrel strength here. This is from Steak and Bourbon. It's 130 proof. And, and all these come in around five, six years old. So it's definitely Old Forester. Got a little banana on the nose, a little bit of other fruit. Got some caramel. Yeah, I got, I got the caramel. I got a mix of fruits. I don't know if I if I could say it was banana, but I got a mix of fruits. It's that sweetness, like especially yeah. like if you put it at the bottom of your lip and just kind of let it roll up and give it just a, it, get that banana in there. It's real. It's real faint, but yep. it's in there. Yep, I just got it. So. I don't know, man. For 130 proof, it does not smell like 130. No, but but it has a very distinctly different nose than the uh, than the one we just had. Very distinctly. Oh, it doesn't drink at 130 either. Man, that is smooth. That is delicious. A little bit of leather, and it doesn't come off as banana on the taste buds. It's coming off more like um, like a really really faint like peach or pear or something like that. Like a and peach is not the right word apricot apricot or pear real sweet what i like about about the very high proof bourbons and this and this is indicative of what we're drinking here is when it gets to the back of my mouth that's where i feel a hug but after that it's just 
flavor profile that goes down. Yep. Whereas with lower proofs, that hug doesn't happen until after it's past the palate. Right. But uh, this is just, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't drink like 130 plus. No. Not at all. Not at all. No, this is a daggone, this is a fine pour. They did a really good job with this one. I'm going to t- I'm gonna have to hit them up on Facebook or Instagram. Let them know this is a good, good bourbon. I wonder who picked this. You know, it's weird. Some restaurants and bars or things like that, they take like their clients, like their best clients and go, hey, let's go try this. And and, and you can get some really inconsistency, you know, right? Like you get, cause you get, you know, three jack legs that, you know, don't drink a lot or, you know, they just come in and spend a lot of money on steak and doing other things. Maybe they don't have the best palate in the world. And you can get some weird, you know, off flavor profile stuff, but this is pretty good. Mm. It's very balanced, I think. Mm-hmm. So, if you were going to make a cocktail, what's your go-to? If I was going to make a cocktail, it'd probably be Manhattan. Probably Manhattan. Probably Manhattan. Second would probably be a, a vodka martini. Vodka martini. Those those are the two that uh, uh, that were my uh, were go-tos uh, my later on in life. Um, as a youngster, it was a lot of beer and and scotch and some whiskey. Um, I haven't had a martini in a, in a long time, but there was a, there was a time when I used to drink a lot of gin martinis. Really? Oh yeah. So I'm not a big gin fan either. Well, I enjoyed gin. Well, I started to enjoy gin in the heat of the summer with a gin and tonic, and those can be very dangerous. Yep, I could see that. Um, and then I graduated to uh, a classic uh, martini, which is made with gin, and then. As I got older, I, I, I went into the uh, the vodka the vodka side of it, um, and I generally, you know, as generally it's, it's very dry, which right. means that I've got to have a quality vodka. Right. Uh, and generally, I just do it with a with a twist of uh, of, of uh, lemon. Hmm. So, what kind of what, what vodka do you usually use? Um, I would look at probably um, a Stoli or a uh, oh gosh. I remember now it's been such a long time uh gray goose uh, gray, finlandia gray goose or or or, or, or a stoli <clears throat> uh with a very dry um uh, um vermouth of uh, a very little you know not a whole bunch not a whole bunch of it gotcha um i've had bartenders when i've asked for a very dry martini basically as i described before take out a spray bottle spray the glass pour, put it put a bunch of vodka in it and hand it to me so, so are you an olive guy? Um, I'm an olive guy. Um, one of my uncles used to be a, a, a Gibson guy. Okay, yeah. With the pearl onions. Yep. Um, and it was funny because he used to imbibe more so than he, than he should have. And it was always a treat to watch him, you know, order, order a, mar- a martini or a Gibson because he would insist he had to have four Onions. Four onions. Had to be four. That's a dirty, dirty Gibson, man. That's a lot of onion. Well, that was just the onion. You know, um, dirty martinis, of course, as you know, is basically putting that juice into the into the mix. And that's, right. that's a whole other uh, flavor p- profile in and of itself. Yeah, I see people that do that with the, with the olives and stuff like that. I'll tell you one. I, I did see this one place, and I don't remember where it was at, but I want to say it was down in Florida someplace, and they had a martini, but it had pickle juice in it. Hmm. And I was like, "That's just weird." Yeah, just it sounds like just a twist on a dirty martini, I guess. So, but they put a little pickle on the side, just like like half of a dill pickle, and you know, kind of shoved it on the edge, and then it had, it had just a 
just a, just enough juice. to make it unclear, <laughs> as, as it were. Yeah. So, but I know I didn't know if that's something you'd tried or anything like that. I I have tried a dirty martini, but I've, it's not something that I've sipped on. So, so so what's the one James Bond? It's the Vesper. What? How does this Vesper made again? I, I can't remember. No, it's not a. No, his is a um, is a vodka martini shaken, not stirred. Right, but I, I but I, I thought there was one like in the later ones, the Daniel Craig Craig ones. I thought it was like the, he called it a Vesper martini. I'll have to look that up too yeah, afterwards. I, I'm not sure of that. Hmm, I don't remember. So I think that's something that Ryan Chesser, if I remember Ryan, was the one that said he, he was talking about those. And I think that's where he said he got the idea. It was from one of the more recent James Bonds, like the Daniel Craig's or something like that. And it, and it could be. Um, I've only watched the more recent ones, you know, one time. So I've got to, you know, watch them again. Right. Yeah. So so cocktails for you, you would go Manhattan, which I would not do because I don't like vermouth. I would go old fashioned. I do like a good whiskey sour when I get a chance, though. Too sweet for me. Too sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind an old fashioned, but uh, yeah, to me, to me, the Manhattan or, or, or the or the Martini is, and, and they're both classic cocktails. There's no mm. doubt about it. Uh, I have had uh, a couple of different mules, and mm. I enjoyed those. Um, I think the mule can be a little too sweet sometimes, so on I what, want to add a little something sour to it, um, like lime yeah. or some more um, maybe lime or lemon. Or that's the reason I added just a touch of sweet and sour to the ones that I was doing. You know, mm-hmm. so that way it would just give it just a little bit of that bitterness from the sour. Yeah, and, and I've seen so many different descriptions of what a mule is. Right. You know, Russian, Kentucky, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So um, they're all, <clears throat> they're all, you know, good and different in their own, in their own right. And that's not, that's not a bad cocktail either. Gotcha. All right. Well, what about you? We're talking about what I like for a cocktail. It's, I mean, I, I said for me, I think that's why for me, it's going to be probably most likely I'm going to go Manhattan. I mean, a, a, an old fashioned up, up front. And then I would probably then at that point, like I said, go with a whiskey sour or, you know, something, you know, to that nature. Um, I love, I love a good mule, um, but it has to be good quality ginger ale. I'm like, I'm not drinking one made with, you know, Canada dry. So, um, I think it has to be something like that. You know, the bourbon just turned out good. I mean, that was a, a, a mixture of, uh, like a lemonade with a little bit of uh, cherry juice. And, and, and as I said before, it was a huge hit. Every time I looked up, you know, Somebody was there asking you for a bourbon reader. Yeah. So, or, or if anybody wanted, didn't know what they wanted, what did you serve them? Bourbon reader. <laughs> well, I was making them in much bigger quantities than I was making anything else. Um, I even made a few lilies, but I, I, I do my own take on a lily. Instead of just straight cranberry juice, I always use cran pomegranate. Ooh. So it's a little bit tartar, so it gives a little bit more of that, you know, flavor profile that I like. Um, so, I mean, but, you know, everybody's different. Like I said, you know, everybody's got a twist on their own, you know, makeup on a cocktail, and, and, and that's always been my thing. So when I do a traditional whiskey sour, I actually I actually shake shake the egg whites up in there. Oh. So when you get an egg white, you get the ice, you get everything in there, and you just shake the hell out of it until the egg white basically, and the until the ice dissipates basically, it just disappears. And once the ice disappears, that that's so frothy, and then you get it all. It's just it's much better I than a standard. I've ever seen one of those. That that, that makes a, a lot of sense because that that would just add to the profile of a whiskey sour completely. Yeah. I might have to try that because that sounds like one I would enjoy. We'll have to make one for you one day. I, I don't know if I have any lime juice today. We'll, we'll have to check it out, but uh, we can definitely we can definitely knock that one out. That's easy. But uh, but to, uh, to me, that's the difference between a good whiskey sour and 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 and, and not necessarily you know just your regular mix and sweet and sour mix. I think you got to use straight lime juice. 
uh, egg white, put it in there with like two, maybe three ice cubes max, and you shake it till the ice cubes are gone. And then, boom, it should just pour out perfectly in your glass. Drink it. It's ice cold because, you know, absorbed all that. And I usually start with a lot higher proof. So I'll try to get something around that 120 range and let it, you know, kind of really, really marry in with those flavors. And I, I think it I think it turns out really well in that situation. Sounds, sounds like it would. So, I don't know. Well, I think that's it for our uh, cocktail episode for today. So if you want to find old Bourbon Barrel Talk, you know how to find us. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. You can email us any questions. We're actually getting ready to do a question episode here in the next you know month or two where we're going to answer questions you guys have sent into the inbox. Um, but uh, you can find us, at, like I said, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at bourbonbarreltalk at gmail.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. You can find us on Eagle, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google, all the good stuff, Amazon. You can find us everywhere where podcasts are offered. This is Scott and Dan signing off. Peace out. Peace out.